this group of uh, second graders in, in Rome who had the privilege of uh, receiving their first communion from uh, Pope Benedict some years ago. And beforehand, he, he gathered them and talked to them before the Mass, before they received first communion. And in the process of their conversation, one of the little boys, Alessandro, raises his hand and calls on him and says, yes. And Alessandro says, I have a question. He goes, dear Pope, um, my parents and my catechists tell me that when I receive Jesus uh, today, that that's, that's really Jesus. Um, he goes, but I, I, I can't see him. So how does that work? Pope thought about it for a second and decided not to give a a highly theological response, but just to talk to the child's own experience. And he said, Alessandro, um, you know, look at the lights above you. He said, you know that they're on, because uh, you can see them. He said, but they're on because they're powered by electricity, which you can't see. But you know that the electricity is there because you can see the effect that it has, the lights are in a certain sense, that's how your first communion will be. It's receiving Jesus will be, the Eucharist will be, because you can't see Jesus necessarily because he's hidden under the appearance of bread and wine, but he's there. And we know that's true because we see with the eyes of faith and our eyes of faith tell us that while we can't see Jesus physically, we experience him personally because we see the effects that it has. We see that we are changed by the Eucharist. That when we go to communion, we receive Jesus, we become different. Now, it might not be a change that you see automatically or quickly. It might be something that unfolds over time, and oftentimes a long time. But you see the effect that it has. Now, here's the question, brothers and sisters. We receive the Eucharist quite a bit. And the question I put to you today is, do you see the effect that it has on your life? Do you realize that the Eucharist slowly over time builds, grace builds on nature, we become different, we become more conformed to the person that we receive. We see the effect that it has. It might not be obvious right away, but it, over time it, it matters. Would you be the same person you are today if you had never received the Eucharist? And are you different? Because you do. You know, we, we uh, have uh, daily mass now in the grade school. Kids go to mass every morning. First class is mass. And you know, we're like every parish I've been to, we've instituted this. Why? Because the Eucharist matters. It changes who we are. And, you know, just to show you that things are no different than they were back in the time of Jesus, and these people left because Jesus, you know, this was last week's gospel because we've been going through John 6. Last week's gospel, if it had been the assumption, you would have heard these words. Uh, Unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you will not have my life in you. And the people now are grumbling and saying, that's a hard thing. We cannot accept this. I'll show you that things stay the same. Uh, 
this year because we were supposed to do deadly mass last year. It didn't happen because of COVID. Uh, we weren't able to get all the kids in because of all the distancing. But this year, they're all there. And we've had a number of families, two or three, that chose not to come back to the school because they didn't want to do daily mass. And that's a missed opportunity, isn't it, brothers and sisters? Because every Eucharist matters. Every Eucharist, in some way, shape, or form, changes us. Now, let's, let's talk about it this way. All right. A, a Jesuit, a writer, and a rock star walk into a bar. Okay. Now, uh, let's give these people names. All right. The Jesuit, uh, his name is Father Walter Chiswick. Uh, he was a, a priest that lived in the last century and was imprisoned in the Soviet gulag in Russia because of his faith. Okay. The writer uh, is from the last century. Her name is Flannery O'Connor. And she was a great writer, uh, southern from the south, uh, with wrote beautiful stories, but with a deep Catholic sensibility. And then let's say the rock star. We'll give him a name. His name is Bob Dylan. All right. Bob, Bob Dylan. Uh, Surprisingly enough, uh, was a convert uh, who came to Christianity and to the Catholic faith and loved the Eucharist. Okay. Uh, now, these three uh, come into the bar and they sit down and they decide to, to talk to each other. And so Walter Chiswick, he goes, I, I have a story. And this story that I'll reference, uh, he also wrote a book called He Leadeth Me, and it's published, it's by Ignatius Press, you can get it on Amazon. He Leadeth Me, by Walter Chiswick. It's about his whole experience. And he said, let me tell you this story to, uh, to Flannery and to Bob. And he said, you know, I was in prison in the Gulag, and the hardest thing we had to do every day was to say Mass. It was the most dangerous thing we had to do every day. We had to smuggle in hosts, we had to smuggle in a little bit of wine. We didn't have an altar, we didn't have candles, we didn't have a book, we didn't have linens. Uh, we had a little tin cup, and we had uh, my handkerchief, and we had the bread. Uh, I didn't even have a missile. I just had to remember the words. And, and he said we would gather out in the, out in the uh, work area where uh, we were, and we'd secretly say Mass. Uh, we would be in some work shed. We'd be in the corner of the workyard, standing in the slush in the, in the, in the freezing uh, snow. Wherever it was, whatever we were doing, we'd find a day, way every day to say Mass. And, and this is what he said. I'm just going to kind of quote him a little bit. Let me just pull this up. All right. He said this. Oh, no, that's, that's something else. Here we go. All right. Here we are. He said this. After we had said Mass, as I folded up the handkerchief on which the body of our Lord had lain and dried the tin cup used as a chalice, the feeling of having performed something tremendously valuable for the people of this godless country was overpowering. Just the thought of having celebrated Mass here in this spot made my journey to the Soviet Union and the sufferings I endured seemed totally worthwhile and necessary. Worthwhile and necessary. No other inspiration could have deepened my faith more, could have given me spiritual courage and greater abundance than the privilege of saying Mass for these poorest of the poor, these most, most deprived members of Christ's flock. 
I was occasionally overcome with emotion for a moment as I thought of how he had found a way to follow and to feed these lost straying sheep, sheep in this most desperate land. I never let a day pass without saying Mass. It was my primary thing every day. It was the most important thing I ever did. Every Mass matters. Every Eucharist matters. What is Father Chizik saying? He's saying that every Eucharist changes us. We might not perceive it, but it matters. Okay. So Father Walter Chizik says he drinks his beer and he says to Flannery, top that. So Flannery says, all right, well, um, I, 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 had a book, I had my first book published. And I was of some note in li the literary set, and so I was invited by some friends to go with them to this party uh, in New York City at, on the Upper East Side at some very fancy uh, uh, group of, uh, of the elite. And I didn't want to go, but they asked me, and so I went. And, and I didn't know what to say, I didn't know what to do. I felt very uncomfortable, very out of place. And, and as we sat down at the dinner table, one of the, one of the uh, guests there, uh, another famous writer, uh, her name was Mary McCarthy, uh, who had just also published a, a book, and it was uh, of some note, uh, said, you know, I used to be Catholic. And, and when I was still Catholic as a young girl, I always had trouble figuring out what the Eucharist was. And so she decided that the Eucharist was, the host was, uh, the Holy Spirit, because it was the most portable uh, element, the most portable person of the Holy Trinity. And she goes, eventually I gave that idea up, and she goes, I just decided that the Eucharist was a symbol. And that works for me. And she turns to Flannery, and so did everybody else, because they know how Catholic she was, and she said, and they said, well, what do you think about that, Flannery? And she didn't know what to say. She was all tongue-tied, very uncomfortable, very shy. And all of a sudden, these words came to her, and she said, you know, to all these fancy people, she said, you know, if the Eucharist is just a symbol, to hell with it. And she goes, all of a sudden, they changed the subject. Right. If the Eucharist is just a symbol, to hell with it. She said. The Eucharist, she said, in her other writings and in other interviews, was the thing that gave me my voice. It was the, the thing that helped me become the person that I'm supposed to be because it was Jesus inside of me doing it. Huh? Okay. And so she turns to Bob Dylan. She says, what about you? And Bob Dylan says, you know, I've had a lot of trouble. And I'm a rock star. And so I, get, I don't always do the right things. There's a lot of temptations. And I've made a lot of mistakes. But encountering Jesus, I encountered my life and all that it could be. And he wasn't just a, a singer and a, and a rock star. And he was a songwriter and he was a poet. And one of his poets is, is beautiful uh, and deeply Catholic. And it's about the Eucharist. Just find it here. All right. There it is. And he wrote this. Bob Dylan said this. Oh, the flowers of indulgence and the weeds of yesteryear, like criminals, they have choked the breath of conscience and good cheer. The sun beat down upon the steps of time to light the way, to ease the pain of idleness and the memory of decay. I gaze into the doorway of temptation's angry flame. And every time I pass that way, I always hear my name. And then onward in my journey, I come to understand that every hair is numbered like every grain of sand. So Bob is uh, 
speaking to them and to us, uh, that the Eucharist, Jesus, changed him and healed him. Father Chiswick found the power to be uh, to elevate life to a heroic standard. Uh, Flannery found that which helped her become the person she was supposed to be. Bob Dylan found that which was necessary for the healing in his life to become a good man and to use his gifts properly. And so before we, we leave the bar with our friends, in comes another person. All right? His name is Bernie Deutsch. All right? So my, my dad walks in and pulls up a chair and sits at the table with them. And he says, I have a story too. He goes, you know, I, I'm just a, an ordinary guy and I've got six kids, a, a wife, a job, a mortgage, and, and a big dog. All right. And it's, it's a lot. And it's overwhelming at times. And so we go to Mass every Sunday and we sit in the same pew. In fact, we, where my brother Ben is sitting right now, that's where we used to sit. Old habits die hard, okay? And, and so we would sit in the same pew, and, and I would go to communion, and I would come back, and I would, I would kneel down, I'd put my head in my hands, and I would just spend time with Jesus, because there's no way I could possibly do the work that I was called to do without his help. And one day, my son Danny, he's sitting there next to me, and he says, Dad, why do you do that? And so after we left, I said, I do that because if I don't do this, if I don't receive Jesus, I can't be a, a, a father of six kids, uh, a husband of, of a loving wife, uh, a man who goes to work and pays his bills and does his mortgage and takes care of the dog. I couldn't do any of that correctly if I didn't have Jesus. In other words, I can't do this unless I do that. Now that's great theology. That's like the Pope saying, we see the effect that it has. So brothers and sisters, we have this great gift where we get to receive Jesus. And sometimes we might wonder, how does this all work? And how do we know for sure? I can't see him. But you see the effects that it has in your life. And we trust it. We trust it. We see how it changes us and helps us and heals us and makes us heroes. You know, we're, we're with the disciples and we see the people who walk away because it's just too much for them. These disciples who were prideful, illiterate, ambitious, obtuse. But you know what else they were? What else they did? They stayed. They stayed. They stayed, and we hear the echo of Peter's words, and there are words too. Lord, to whom should we go? Who else is there? What else can we have that's better than what you are giving to us, your very own life? Lord, to whom shall we go? You're the only one with the words of everlasting life.